When it comes to being the rat or the scientist, who would you rather be? Uh, You know the poor rat who's placed in the maze and he can only ever see the walls and he only ever has the choice, do I turn right, do I turn left, do I turn right, do I turn left? Well, then there's a scientist who stands above the maze and can see the whole picture. He knows where the end of the maze is, uh, knows which is the best way to get there. I'm pretty sure we would all rather be the scientist. Now, as Christians, God has made it so that we can be like the scientist because God's given us the bird's eye view, not of a maze, but of life itself, told us what life's all about, where it's going and what's the best way to get there. But at times we can feel like the poor old rat, can't we? For the rat, all he can see is, do I turn left, do I turn right? For us, sometimes all we can see are the jobs we have to do or the responsibilities we have to fulfil. And it's easy to feel hemmed in by the daily pressures of life, confused about what to do and why. And the daily grind can mean we forget that there's a bigger picture out there. Friends, the book of Ephesians is a wonderful gift from God to us. Because it reminds us of God's big picture. He lays out in front of us his wonderful plan. God spells out for us how he's caught us up in it all and he beckons us to come and live life as it was meant to be lived. This morning as we begin chapter 1, Paul, he takes us on a breathtaking tour of God's plan. Today is all about the big picture of life itself, the big picture of God. And so a staggering reminder really of the privilege that we have as his people and the colour that that should give to our lives. Now, as Meredith read those verses for us, and hopefully as you're reading them during the week, you would have noticed that there's lots and lots in these verses. I mean, Paul speaks of being chosen, predestined, adopted, forgiven, redeemed. There's the will of God, the fulfilment of all things, God's glory, salvation, the Holy Spirit, our inheritance, God's praise. It's like walking into a massive building with rooms filled with the most glorious of treasures. And as you walk into one room, you're dazzled by the treasures that are in there. But then you walk into another room and there's even more treasure. And the rooms just keep on going and your eyes keep getting wider and wider as more and more wonders are brought before you. And you get to the end and your head is spinning and it's just all too much. Reading these opening verses of Ephesians can be like this. All the wonders that Paul speaks of. What would be really helpful if there was a map to help us, to orientate us? Well, thankfully, Paul gives us one. Right at the start, as we enter the building, so to speak, verse 3 is the topic sentence, the heading, the map, if you like, of everything else that follows through to verse 14. And it's all got to do with God giving us every spiritual blessing. So let's have a look at verse 3, and we'll get orientated. Verse 3. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. First thing we need to know about all these treasures in these verses is that they're meant to draw us into the praise of God. That's the reason all these wonders are displayed for us here, that we would bring our praises to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And why? Verse 3 again because he's blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Notice that it's not just some, it's not even most, it is every spiritual blessing, completely, totally, exhaustively. God's spiritual blessing cupboard is bare. 
He's got no more spiritual blessings to give us because he's given them to all of them to us in Christ. That's the map to our verses. Everything else that follows is a reason to praise the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Everything else that follows is a blessing from the Father. So let's now have a look at these treasures, these majestic blessings of God. And we're going to do it by first looking at what they are and how God gives them to us. Then we'll see to what end he has blessed us. And finally, we'll look at who these blessings are for. So first, what are these blessings? What are these blessings that God has blessed us with? And the first one is that God chose us to be his people. Verse 4. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. There's the first blessing. God chose us in Christ. It's not that we chose him. It's that he chose us. And this speaks of remarkable privilege, doesn't it? I mean, if I chose you to be in my cricket team, that wouldn't mean very much because I'm not much of a cricketer. But if Michael Clark chose you to be in his cricket team, he's the captain of Australia. Well, what if God chose you to be one of his people? That's what we're being told here. God chose us in Christ. And when did he choose us? Look at there, verse 4, before the creation of the world. Not just before you were made, but before anything was made. And why did God choose us? Verse 4 again, to be holy and blameless in his sight. Set apart for God. Acceptable to him. That we would belong to him. But more than just belong to him. It's so that we'd be one of his children. Verse 5. In love he predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ. So we're being walked into another room here because it's not that we'd simply belong to God, but that in love, God predestined us to be adopted into his family. We're not hat stands in the household of God. We're, the, by the love of God, the children of God. And this is all God's doing. That God chose us. It was all his initiative, even before the creation of the world. And we're told there in verse uh, 5 that he predestined us. And the meaning of the word predestined that Paul uses here is to decide and to determine beforehand. In verse 11, Paul goes on to say that God predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will. So it's not just that God determined beforehand, but that he works out everything according to his determinations. Being in the people of God is all of God's doing. He's the only one who can get any credit for us being one of his children. And that's exactly where Paul goes next in verse 6. God is the one who has done everything for us to bless us in Christ, and so it is all to his praise. We'll pick it up again in verse 5. Have a look at verse 5. In love he predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace, which is freely given us in the one he loves. God gets all the credit. That we've been blessed by God. That's for his praise. It's to the praise of his grace. We're going to think a little bit more about that in a minute. But there's another thing important to notice here about how God has made us into his family. It's that he's done it in Christ. Back in verse 3 we're told, hopefully you noticed, that we've been given every spiritual blessing in Christ. So we read in verse 4 that we're chosen In Christ, in verse 5, we're adopted 
through Jesus Christ. In verse 6, God's grace has been freely given to us in Christ. We don't receive any spiritual blessings from God apart from Christ. There's not another way to receive his blessings. It's all in Christ or it's nothing. When someone wants to give us something or you something, uh, they've got any number of ways of getting it to us, don't they? Uh, They could send it in the post. They could send it by courier. Uh, They could get someone else to deliver it, a friend maybe, or they could be old school and even personally give it to you themselves. Uh, Any number of ways they've got to uh, be able to give you something. But it is not like that when it comes to God giving us every spiritual blessing because God only does it one way personally, from himself, in Christ. God's blessings don't come from any other religion. You won't get them by anything you have or anything you do. It's God who gives it all to us personally, himself, in Christ. And what comes next in verse 7 is why it only comes in Christ. It's because the Lord Jesus is the only one who can do this. Because Christ is the only one who died for us to make it all possible. Verse 7. In him, that's in Christ, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace. Friends, in order for us to be brought before God holy and blameless in his sight, in order for us to be adopted into his very family, what we're being told here, we had to be redeemed. We had to be forgiven because we aren't naturally the children of God. We aren't even naturally appealing to God. We certainly aren't naturally acceptable to God. But brothers and sisters, feast your eyes on this. Taking this treasure in Christ by his death for us, God has redeemed us. He's paid the price to take away our sin. And in Christ, God has forgiven us of our sins through his death Our sins, we've got a clean slate. And so to the praise of God's grace in Christ, we're now holy and blameless in his sight. We're now adopted into his family. But it's only in Christ, because it's only Christ who could and did die for us. But look, why has God done all this? Uh, Where's all this going? To what end... Has God blessed us with every spiritual blessing in Christ? Come with me to verse 9. Because this is where Paul goes next. To what end, Paul, uh, God has blessed us? Verse 9, Paul opens another door to another room in this glorious display of the blessings of God. And in verse 9, the room that we're taken into is God's boardroom. We're taken into a God's decision-making room, his strategic planning room, where God lays out his plan and he spreads it out across the table and he beckons us to come and have a look at it, even sits us down and explains it all to us. So come and have a look, verse 9, where God tells us his end game in blessing us in Christ. Verse 9. And he made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ, Okay, so in other words, God has made his will, he's made his plan known. Verse 10, God's will to be put into effect when the times will have reached their fulfillment. So there's coming a time when God's plan will be brought to fulfillment. And what is that plan? Here it comes, second half of verse 10. To bring all things in heaven and on earth together under one head, even Christ. 
The plan of God, the fulfilment of all things, is to bring everything under Christ. For Christ to be the head over all things, that's the meaning of life. That is what our existence is all about. It's, it's what all creation is all about. To be brought under Christ is the goal, the end, the purpose of all things. And brothers and sisters, we're already there. Because in Christ we've already been forgiven and redeemed, adopted into God's family. We're already being brought under Christ in the most wonderful of ways. The plan of God for the entire universe, all things in heaven and on earth, where all of history is heading and we're already there. Because the fulfillment of all of God's plan for your life, they have already been realized for you by God in Christ. So we don't have to wish we knew what our lives were all about. We don't have to wish we knew what's God's plan for my life. We don't have to wish that. We already know what it is. It's to be brought under Christ. And knowing this plan of God is so liberating. Because we now know what life is all about, we know how to decide things in life. For example, when deciding whether to take that new job or not, we just ask ourselves a few questions. Will the new job help me to continue my life under Christ? Will it be good for my ongoing obedience and faith in Christ? Will it be beneficial for others in their living under the reign of Christ? If yes, we're free to do it. If no, well, we know not to do it. And it's this same process that should help us, happen for us as we make any decision. Do we save or do we spend the money to marry or not to marry? Where to live, how to raise the children, how to treat my wife, my husband, my neighbour, my colleague, my friends, my enemies. What size house to own? What do we give our time and energy to? Where will we devote and invest ourselves in this remarkably short life we have? Friends, all this and more, we make every decision based on whether it helps us and others to live under Christ. Because that's what life's all about. God's given us the bird's eye view. He's given us the big picture of all of history and God's already done it for us. He's already brought us under Christ and so we're just living out God's plan for our life. But look, there's one more room Paul wants to take us through on this amazing tour and it's even more splendid than any of the rooms we've seen so far because in verses 11 to 14 we're told who all this is for. In verses 11 to 14, Paul speaks of God pouring out his blessings on both Jews and Gentiles. Uh, In these verses, Paul speaks of we Jews, since he is a Jew, and he also speaks of you Gentiles. And so it seems that God's poured out his blessings for both the Jews and the Gentiles. But that's actually not the whole story. Let's take a closer look. Verse 11. Verse 11, in him we, that's we Jews, were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we, who were the first to hope in Christ, might be for the praise of his glory. Paul here is saying that the Jewish Christians, they were chosen, the Jewish Christians, they've been marvellously brought under Christ, but why? Verse 12 again, in order that we, who were the first to hope in Christ, might be for the praise of his glory. God has blessed the Jewish Christians in Christ so that they would be for the praise of his glory. 
And it's the same for us Gentile Christians. Verse 13. And you, that's you Gentiles, you also were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. Having believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. See, the Gentile Christians, they've also been included in God's blessings in Christ. They've been blessed with the Holy Spirit. They've been blessed with God's salvation. But why? End of verse 14. To the praise of God's glory. In other words, God has wonderfully and lovingly brought Jewish and Gentile Christians under Christ, chosen and adopted, redeemed and forgiven them, so that in all things God and his Son would receive all the praise and the glory. In the end, God has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in Christ for himself. That's who it's for. So that all things would be for the praise of his glory. Now, we can react to this in one of two ways, I think, at least one of two ways. It could be that you're sitting there and your heart, it's really warmed, really warmed to this truth of God's praise because there's nothing you want more. But it could also be that you're sitting there thinking that this sounds like God's a bit egotistical. I mean, he's full of himself, isn't he? Wanting all the praise and orchestrating all things so that he makes sure he gets all the praise. Two quick things to note, though. First... Because God is God, it's appropriate for him to do things for his own praise. I mean, it's not as if there's anything greater than God or anyone more worthy of praise. He is God, after all. It's not as if there's anyone else more important to honour. I mean, imagine me being at a dinner where the guest of honour is apparently some important lady. But I don't like all the attention she's getting, and so I stand up in the middle of the dinner and I demand that everyone pay me some attention. After all, I am Alan Blanche. (laughs) To which someone quietly whispers in my ear, yes, but that lady up there at the head of the table is, after all, the Queen of England. God is God. It's not as if there's anyone else more important to honour. And secondly, we shouldn't even think for a second that God bringing the praise to himself is bad for us, as if he's somehow dominating things in such a way that poor little humans like us get sidelined. Because remember, please remember, how is he bringing all the praise to himself? He does it by choosing and adopting and redeeming and forgiving sinners like us, by pouring out his love on us and paying for our sins in the death of Christ, by lavishing us with his grace and mercy, sending his son to die for us, including undeserving sinners like us, into his glorious family, so that even people like you and me would have the privilege and the honour of having the God of all creation as our own heavenly Father, because he's brought us under the glorious rule of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is how God receives all the praise. It is the best thing that could ever happen. For God and for us, such as the genius and the wisdom and the love of God. See You at Home is an organisation that seeks to help the homeless. Uh, Last year they handed out surveys to the homeless of the city of uh, Champaign in Illinois in the US. And they handed out these surveys to the homeless in Champaign because they wanted to find out who had the highest risk of dying out in the streets. Vern Chenard was at the top of their list. Vern wasn't a young man. Uh, He'd been mugged, robbed, beaten up. 
He was destitute and hopeless. And his life changed when see you at home came to his aid. Because they didn't just find him some shelter. They gave him his own home to live in. When Vern walked into the home for the first time, there were lots of volunteers from See You at Home there, and they're wanting to show him around the house, but the first room he wanted to see was the bathroom. You can imagine his relief, can't you? My own bathroom. But look, more than just finding Vern a home to live in, See You at Home, they also were going to pay the rent for him and then find him a job so that he could afford it himself. Now, you can imagine the gratitude in Vern's heart, can't you? As people come to visit him, he heaps praise on see you at home. Not for a moment does Vern think of taking the credit for himself. No, no, no. Vern knows what situation he got himself into. He knows where he came from. He more than happily gives see you at home all the praise. Brothers and sisters, we know where we've come from. We know our sin. We know our guilt. But in Christ, God has given us every spiritual blessing. He's chosen and adopted us. He's redeemed and forgiven us. He's lavished his grace upon us. His son even died for us to make it all possible. And so we more than happily give the God and Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, we more than happily, we give him all the praise. As we keep reading on in Ephesians, Paul is going to spell out in some detail how we can live in the here and now to the praise of God's glory. Lots and lots of really exciting detail. But for now, from the opening of his letter, it's the big picture. It's that all creation, all history, all of God's actions in Christ and so all of our lives, everything is for the praise of his glory. Whatever we're doing, whoever we're with, Whatever decisions we're making all the time, we're asking ourselves, will this make my God look good? Will this bring praise to my heavenly Father? Will this bring credit to my Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ? Because that's what I want. Everything for the praise of God's glory. We wouldn't have it any other way. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we praise you. We praise you as the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, that in your Son you have chosen us and adopted us, forgiven us and redeemed us, brought us to the fulfilment of all your plans, that, Father, we would be your people, your beloved children. Father, it's all that you have done for us in the Lord Jesus. There is nothing we've got to offer. And so all the praise goes to you. And Father, we pray you'd help us to live that out. That all the time, or every moment of every day, we're just asking ourselves, will this make my heavenly Father look good? Father, make that our desire. Make that our desperate longing. That in our lives, both here and now and forever, Father, all things for the praise of your glory. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.